Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our audience and our listeners. Purpose number two, to spotlight you, Nick, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, I'm excited. We have a very special guest. His father came through earlier this year or last year. We have Nick Prefontaine. Nick Nick Prefontaine is a two-time best-selling author of The New Rules of Real Estate Investing and Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors. At 14, Nick suffered a life-threatening snowboarding accident. His parents were told that he'd never walk, talk, or eat again on his own. He made a personal goal that he would not walk, but run out of the hospital. He unknowingly used a system to do just that, and less than 60 days later, he ran out of the hospital. Nick got started in the real estate industry at an early age. Most notably, he was knocking on pre-foreclosure doors at 16, doing 50 plus doors a day. This experience not only shaped his career, but it also was part of his recovery, going door to door, helping people out of their unfortunate situation. Now, Nick specializing in helping our associates get helping his associates get their least purchased buyers on the path to home ownership, getting buyers to the finish line of getting their own loan and something is something the entire team takes pride in. This is one of many things that separates Wicked Smart from the competition. Nick, I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. Jerome, I'm so excited we uh, made this happen. I'm happy to be here too. Me too. I think I'm more excited. I'm, I think I'm more excited than you, but we shall see, right? So I, I came, don't know about that. <laughs> your father came through a little bit earlier and I know like you guys do terms and you have different stories. So what I would like to hear is I want you to tell us your story in your own words and tell us how you got here. Sure. Yeah. So I go back uh, whenever whenever someone asks me that, I always go back to that uh, fateful day back uh, when I was 14 and I was on my way on the bus to ski club with my friends. And I realized that day in my rush in packing everything that I had forgot one thing that I usually brought to ski club because it was a little bigger mountain than I was used to. And that's my helmet. I didn't think anything was going to happen because, you know, I'd, I'd just be careful. I'd be, I'd be safe because, I mean, let's face it, nothing, nothing usually happens. So I'd be fine. So my friends and I got ready on the bus so we would be ready once we got there. So we didn't have to waste any time once we got to the mountain. So we got to the mountain and headed straight for the chairlift. And then on the way up, it had been raining. We noticed that people were kind of wiping out everywhere. Needless to say, it wasn't, Jerome, my first go around on a snowboard. I, I knew what I was doing. Um, so I actually, as soon as I saw it going up on the chairlift, it, the chairlift went right over the train park. And I saw, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. It was the biggest jump in the train park that I spotted. So I got to the top, took a breath of that crisp winter air and confidently charged towards the biggest jump in the train park with all my speed. And then going up to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow going up the jump. And that kind of, that kind of threw me off kilter that, that threw me off balance. So I was going way too fast to even consider stopping. So I was forced to go off. And I know a lot of people that listen to podcasts, they are only listening to the audio, but just so you know, Jerome, I went off and then because I was forced to go off with so much speed, I rotated and landed on my head. This is something that I was told that I was landed on, on my head, I, that I later learned. They wanted to um, bring a helicopter to the mountain to rush me to the hospital, and they couldn't because it was too windy, so they sent in an ambulance. And out of the, out of the six paramedics in the area, there was only one who could intubate on the spot and I needed that to be able to breathe. And he was one of the paramedics that showed up to the mountain that day. There are really several things that I can't, I can't recall and remember because of the accident. A few of those that I learned after the fact that I went off the jump and I wasn't wearing the helmet. Um, 
I remember and by what people have told me, I pieced together events and what happened that day all the way up to, I think when I enter into the terrain park, I, I, I have memories of that. Um, but it's hard to tell after all these years, whether that was just from people telling me or that that's from something I really remember. So I went off a jump, landed on my head. I, I later learned that my goggles were the only protection that I had. So with each subsequent hit, because it wasn't just that initial impact with each subsequent hit after the initial impact, as I continued to roll down the mountain, I learned that my goggles, uh, was the only thing that was able to cushion my blow against the mountain. And I learned that my goggles mysteriously moved and rotated, uh, to cushion each blow as I continued to roll down the mountain. So there were several things that day, Jerome, that broke in my favor. And that was one of them. Uh, the second, the second one was out of the six paramedics. Um, and you can stop me from repeating myself. There was only one who could intubate on the spot and I needed that to be able to breathe. And he was one of the paramedics that fortunately for me showed up to the mountain that day. Okay. Once I got to the hospital, there was the doc, the doctor said that they told my parents that look, he, they came in and I, I was, I was really fortunate to have the um support system and the parents that i had when i and I, I still am um hopefully mom and dad you're listening to this podcast um but they actually the doctors came in when i first got into the accident they came into my hospital room and they went to share the news that hey look he's probably not going to be able to walk talk or eat again with my parents and my parents stopped them they said no no not not here not in front of him because right they realized that even though I was in a coma, I was still taking information. So they, they stopped them. Uh, thank goodness for me. Uh, that was the third thing that sort of broke in my favor. Asked them to step outside. And once outside, they, they shared the, the not so positive news that I was probably never going to be able to walk, talk or eat again. And the updates, as you can imagine, didn't get progressively better. Um, if anything, they got progressively worse and in, in the more grim and grim news. And after, after I was stabilized, I, they had to put me in a coma because it was a partially induced coma. They said just on the impact alone, I would have been out for like 10, seven or 10 days. However, because the swelling was so much in my brain, they had to induce me because they worried that if I woke up that I would panic and, and try to figure out what was going on and the swelling would go up and I would die. So they had to induce me. I was in a coma for three weeks. I really don't remember a month of my life. And then after a month, I was transported to a rehab hospital in Boston. And that's where my memories really start. I start piecing gotcha. together my memories. It, it's, um, it's a little foggy, uh, to be candid with you. I was on the third floor originally, and that, that was reserved for the most critical of cases. I was on the third floor originally, and my memory of the third floor is, is like kind of, kind of hazy, kind of foggy. Gotcha. However, that when I was transported to the second floor, that's when my memories really started. And I have to say, I was, they were some long days. Um, yeah. so I would get up in the morning and I would need help, um, learning how to shower again, because remember, I didn't, I didn't know anything. It was, it was like, I was a, a 14 year old newborn. Um, I had to learn how to do everything all over again. And I had to. So one of the things I had to do, as I mentioned, was learn how to shower again and take care of myself. So I would get up, have my occupational therapist teach me how to shower again. And when I say teach me how to shower again, I had to be taught that like the water came before the soap, like simple, like very simple things like that. Got you. So with with that, like you having to learn and going through that trauma when I was reading your bio, 
it, it mentioned like you, this happened at 14. And then I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we started and we moved over to you, you, when you, you're 16 and then you're like back at it. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was sorry if I'm a little long winded here. I'm just, it's okay. That's uh, okay. Yeah, Don't worry about I, it. I think I'm more excited than you. So I'm, yeah. I'm just excited to share Maybe. We, we shall see. So with that, that is a, that is like a good story because um, I think one of the things that we, um, when we get in business entrepreneurship overall, we expect things to just happen and they don't. And it's like a matter of perseverance and persistence, like staying persistent, having the right support team. And one of those things that you, you have for sure that I didn't have, I think, uh, you know, it's unfortunate I didn't have it, but you have to do what you have to do, but you had that excellent support system, your parents, and they helped you like, Hey, hey, let's get in started, get started in real estate. Let's get you going or something like that. Could you tell us about that? How that was? Yeah. Uh, so it was really, it was really like, um, that was, that was kind of my idea. So okay. I, I got, I grew up in a family real estate business just to go back. Cause it doesn't really make sense if I don't, if I don't okay. like, go into the whole story. So then they were long, like there were long days for me. Um, I had to do, so I would get up in the morning and then I would have to have physical occupational and speech therapy. And then after which we broke for lunch, and it was at one of these lunches, Jerome, that a moment of doubt crept in. And I think what you were saying with, um, like, not all of us are fortunate to have that support system. I want to say this, this is where it was instrumental because we all have doubts. So this, this is why I think this is an important part of my story to share. At the time I was in a wheelchair, just looking over my situation and I just, I couldn't figure it out. And I turned to my mom who was with me every day and I asked her, am I ever going to be able to walk again? And she didn't even hesitate. She said, of course you are. That's what we're doing here. So you can get everything back and we can go home. So then once I had that, once I had that confirmation, even when I was like kind of unsure and doubting it myself, um, it was off to the races. That was, that was the only time that I remember that. I had a moment of doubt. And then after lunch, I would have another sessions of physical occupational and speech therapy. If you fast forward to less than 60 days later, so 85 days to in total, I was in the hospital. I had the goal as soon as I could communicate that I wanted to run out. That was mine. No one else. My parents made, made a goal for me to make a full recovery. Who wouldn't want their son to make a full recovery from an accident. Of course they did. However, it was my goal, um, to run out of the hospital and that became our common goal. Um, so then everything that we were doing, uh, whether it was weekly meetings with the doctors and therapists was all pulling towards that, that common goal of running out of the hospital. After running out of the hospital, I had to go to outpatient therapy for another six months along with being tutored all summer long to graduate with my class, because as you can imagine, I had missed time. So this is where the real estate comes in. And that's, and, and, um, thank you for giving me the grace to go back and, and backtrack a little bit on that story, because it doesn't make sense if I don't tell the whole thing, if I don't piece it together. So after I got home and after I got settled after all the occupational therapy and everything, I started reading, I started reading book, I, books. I grew up in a family real estate business. So my dad was an investor. He was a realtor. Then he was an investor. He was, he was, he was kind of doing both things, um, at different points. He was a builder at one point. So I was always around real estate and I started getting the itch around, gosh, I would say around uh, 15 years old. So I started getting the itch. And I started looking at books and everything like that. And the first book I, that really got me started was Cashflow Quadrant by um, Robert Kawasaki. And a that, lot of people- that's, that's my favorite book by him. A lot of people like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but that is, I, I think that's the most practical book is Cashflow Quadrant. Yeah. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. So around that time when I was 15, 16 and learning, I- my dad and his team of investors was starting to toy with the idea of having a bird dog go out and knock on pre foreclosure doors 
this was back in 2005, 2006, 2007, that time frame. So that was that that strategy was prevalent at the time. I just told him I wanted to help and I wanted to get involved and and start doing this. So he gave me uh literally gave me a list. Um here's where you go to get your list and um here's here's the PDF or the leave behind that you're that you're printing out and leaving behind of every one of these ones had a basic script but that was it. No one no one told me what to do, like what areas to target, everything like that. So I I was just mm, okay. You you look up where where these uh, pre foreclosures are, the notice of default doors, and to me it made the most amount of sense to go into um, areas where I could do the most doors in a day. Now, being sixteen, I didn't realize that these are probably not some of the best areas to buy properties yeah. in. However, I didn't know. I, my goal was to hit the most amount of doors in a day. We ended up after, like after that whole thing, uh, owning several properties in, you know, not, not so great areas of cities, but that's uh that's a story for another day. I guess the, it was interesting because at first all I had was a leave behind a script and a list of people. I just went up, knocked on the door, people answered, and I would I would like read the script that I had gone over in my head a thousand times. And I got a lot of doors slammed in my face, as you can imagine. Yeah, so uh the reason I share that is rejection is not it's not a bad thing. It it's a good like you fine-tune your message and you fine-tune your craft. Then shortly after that, my cousin and I flew out. Uh, to California to spend a weekend, spend a few days with the number one person in the country that was having success with these notice of halt doors. Once I saw what he was doing and how much nuance and every little thing was planned that he did, everything, as opposed to just going up and knocking on the door and then when they answer the door being right there and reading the script, there was so much tact involved and so much strategy involved. He would go up do a light, a light knock on the door, like a friend, like a friend coming by, um, just from up the block, take a few steps back. They would, they would answer the door and he would look around and say, Hey, um, I'm sorry. I don't know if you can help me out. I'm looking for um, an address here. I think it might be your neighbor might be one of these. Um, can you confirm some, uh, some information. I'm looking for this address and they say, Oh, that's me. And once they saw their name on the list, they opened up to him and told what had happened and what those dirty rotten banks were doing and everything, everything. Um, it was just a game changer for me because once I saw that and I saw Jerome, the success that he was having just by that simple strategy change, like everything was nuanced, but it, it was all planned. It was very simple. But as soon as I got back, I implemented that and started having started having a lot of success. Then throughout, I, that was something that I did throughout the rest of high school. After graduating high school, I started starting to get my real estate license. And when I initially went to take the test, I I didn't I didn't pass it on my first time, which. Um, is imp is important to share but when i first went to take the test i think there was like 20 or 30 um i don't i don't get to tell this part of my story often but uh, i don't know i feel compelled to share it with you today uh there was like 20 or 30 people when i was taking it i was like all right i didn't get it but i'll, I'll try again so i did it then there was probably like 10 maybe 10 and then the last time I went to take it, which is when I passed it, March, I remember the date, it was uh, March 8th, 2008, there were just signed to the market. There was, there's maybe one other person taking, taking the test and I passed it. So I got my real estate license and then it, I started working as a realtor and then that led me 
in 2014. What, what inspired you to get the license? What what made you say, you know what, I want to get my license? Was you were you thinking this was going to help? Was what was your thought process on that? Uh, my thought process was uh, that's that that's what I that's all that I knew. Real estate was okay. all that I knew growing up. So naturally for me, I didn't want to go to college. So naturally for me, um, real estate and becoming a realtor was something I wanted to do. My dad, my parents actually said to me, okay, if you're not going to college, then we're going to have a pretty strict curriculum that you're going and I got to, I got to fly all over and go and spend weekend intensive with uh, weekend intensives with several of his mentors and um, teachers that he's worked with over the years. So it was, it was pretty intensive. Um, something and- that, something that people always ask, I want to like, want to interject is like, they get caught up on the license aspect of things. So what I would like to know is uh, going out to get your license, has it contributed to your success? Has it contributed to your education? What is your, what was that like? Did it help? Did it, was it a waste of time? I want to hear you talk about that. Uh, looking looking back on it, I wouldn't change a thing because it brought me to where I am today, um, and I really learned I, I learned so much being being able to get in the license on my own. And when I first when I first got out, I was uh, when I first got out of school, I was kind of working working hand in hand, doing a little doing a little public speaking on my own, and. Um, I just, it was a natural progression just to, just to get your license. However, I don't want anyone to think that to be involved in real estate, you need to get your license. It was far from that. Um, I actually let my license go in January of 2016. So I haven't had my real estate license in years. And as an investor doing what we're doing today, um, it is something that it's beneficial, not if you have it fine, like it's a good thing. It's a good addition, additional strategy that you can add to your business, um, buying and selling on terms like non-conventionally, uh, without using bank or banks or private financing or investors or anything. However, if you don't have your license, it's no excuse, no reason to be worried or be concerned. It's actually, it's a benefit that you're not able, that you don't have your license. I let my license go in two thousand in January two thousand sixteen for points of reasons that it was just becoming too much. Like me going out to show houses when I first started helping my dad because he started this business in two thousand thirteen. It first started me helping with the marketing of all the properties that he was getting, and at the time my income was like seventy or eighty percent as a realtor on my own and really like 20 or 30% with helping him. I was getting a little bit of a stipend for helping him with the marketing. Then off of all the response from the marketing that I was doing, all buyers started calling and my dad needed, he was out getting new properties. He needed someone to help him with the buyers. So he, he reasoned that rather than go out and hire someone, why don't I just keep it in house to you? Would you like to handle the buyers? And then my income switched to 70 to 80% with him and only 20 to 30% as a realtor. And January 16 got to the point where it just didn't even make sense for me to, to keep it. It was just a, a conf, a conflict of interest, um, to keep it. So, um, and then that really, this is exciting because each one of these each one of these interviews flows differently and I love to see where it goes organically. So this, this is perfect because out of that, um, I actually was able to develop a system. Like he didn't have a, he didn't have a system for, for dealing with buyers. I need someone to fill like pick up the phone. So I created a whole system where you got to lay out the ad, in a certain way and you gotta, you gotta have the marketing done right. And then once you get the calls, you gotta put it, you have to not got to, uh, you have, you have to put the buyer through a process in order for them to be successful and be able to get to the end of their rent to own agreement. So, um, 
and be able to get their own loans. So we haven't we haven't really talked on that, but but I'll just yeah. I want to dive into that. Um, yeah. Because you um, like what you specialize in. You your father like your group. You specialize in terms. Most yeah. of us, especially like my, I have a mixed audience, real estate investors, real estate agents, like the agents, they understand, they go buy a house, they help sell a house. They understand that. And investors, they understand, oh, I'm going to buy a house, fix it up, then I'm going to sell it. Right. That's like the extent, that's most of what we understand. But there's another alternative is like terms, which could, you know, that's a whole, like you could open a whole can, whole can of worms on that. But I want to know from you, you share your perspective. Tell us what terms is, help us understand terms and the way that it works. Sure. So I'll give you, I'll give you like a 10,000 foot view. So we, there's, there's more now. A lot of people don't even know this, which is, which is crazy to me. It's just the world that I've lived in for the past, gosh, 10 years, but there's more ways to buy a house than houses that are listed with a realtor. And you go to an open house and make an offer on a house and then see if you're able to get financing. Like there's more than just that one way to do things. Um, so we're going, we're going to a house, um, agreeing, agreeing on a price. And then depending on the way that we purchase it, there are, there are so many different ways to purchase it. And I'll just, I'll rattle off a few. Uh, we can buy a home with owner financing which is one of the ways that we've used to purchase homes. And that's typically, it can be done other ways, but typically it's with homes that uh, don't have any debt, uh, don't have any mortgage on it. And then we can make principal only payments um, to the seller. And the reason that they don't have a mortgage on it, we can actually pay a little bit of a premium above what they're able to get on the open market. Uh, another way of just to name a few, and these aren't all of them. I'm just, I'm just trying to give your audience a taste, but then another way that we'll purchase property is in with owner financing, you close on the property, like you're buying it and closing on the property. However, all of our deals are set up. So it's little or no money down. Um, and that's, that's the most exciting thing because when you're doing a deal with no money down or very little, um, thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, what percentage are is your profit? It's like almost unlimited, like whatever. Yeah, you exactly. Invest, like exactly. So that's, I mean, we have used a little, a little bit of money to do that, but that's as we get deals and things like that, but. Another way that we will close on the property as well is buy a home subject to subject to someone's existing loan. And uh, then we'll close on it and then we'll just, we'll keep making payments on the loan. Um, I'll give you a very simple example. Um, this is like another way we'll do it is a lease purchase agreement uh, where there, where there is underlying debt on the property, but just to keep it real simple, like a, a seven year lease purchase, for example. And that's, that's over the past year or two, uh, we've actually cashed out of several of our older deals that were seven, that were originally seven year, seven or nine year lease purchase deals, uh, that did have a mortgage. So once we get that under contract as non realtors, as investors, once we get it under contract, um, we are able to contractually, um, because we have an equitable interest in the home, go out to the market, um, to the buyers and, uh, market for a buyer, uh, with a, and get a good down payment. And now when we're able our rent to own program, and that's kind of really where I specialize. If you, if you picked, if you picked it up, uh, from what I shared earlier, what our rent to own program is, is, uh, anywhere from, it does require a down payment. Um, so we don't, we don't sell the same way that we buy. So we're always selling it to a rent to own buyer with a down payment of anywhere from three to 10%. It can be more than that, but just for this example, let's just stick with the rent to own, um, three to 10% simultaneously to getting them into the home will get them connected with a great credit enhancement company that's going to get back to all of us um both us and the buyer and let us know how long it's going to be until they're mortgage ready 
And then all we're doing is just meeting with them and making sure that we're giving them plenty of time with the lease to become mortgage ready. Um, more often than not, we find that uh, 24 months, uh, buyers are able to get, 90% of the buyers are able to get financing inside of 24 months. However, if it has to go to 30 or 36 months um, with extenuating circumstances, we can certainly do that. However, a lot of the rental and deals that we set up, Jerome, are for 24 month deals. And then after 12 to 15 months, the buyer calls us and says, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to get my own loan. Like, um, I'm ready. And, and we have a, we have a lender that we work with that once a buyer gets to that point in the process that has really streamlined the whole process for us and is able to, uh, really bring them to the finish line. She knows what to watch out for, what she's already gone through the process of educating our underwriters. Uh, what they need to see um, in order to have this person get to the finish line and get their own loan. Thank you. So I know this, I, this is not my favorite question, but I know people have this question, right? It's always like, people always ask, why? So I have two why questions for you, right? Why would a seller do this, right? And why would a purchaser, in your case, the investor, why would the investor do that? So let's start with the seller. Like, what are some reasons why would sellers sell their house on terms? There's a number, there's a number of different reasons, everyone. And this is, this is interesting, because people that haven't done that haven't done this types of type of deal, um, always ask this, but there's, there's a number of reasons for uh, estate planning, uh, someone doesn't want to have that lump sum and wants to spread out their their uh, tax exposure over 10 or 20 years. Uh, so they'll do like an owner financing deal with us over 10 or 20 years where we're slowly paying back the principal so they're not whacked um, by a big tax hit. Um, a lot of and this is this is interesting because a lot of a lot of the sellers that we have worked with in the past and it's really, it's not so prevalent now, but it was when we were buying properties in 13, 14, you know, 15, 16, 17, all those years. Um, they're just not able to get the, and it's so weird that it was only a few short years ago, but um, it's a reality. They weren't able to get their price um, on the open market. And that's the reason. So we'll come in. And as I mentioned, with principal only, I mean, with owner financing, because it's principal only payments, we can pay a little bit of a premium. And it's also with all the other types that we types of ways that we purchase. Um, we are able to pay a little bit more than what the conventional market will bear because, and this leads in perfectly to what you're saying, because there's only roughly 20% of the market who can walk into a bank and get a loan today. And if anything, it's getting, it's getting tighter right now with, with the climate and, and the economic environment that we're in. So there's only, there's a limited pool of buyers all for those houses that either someone has cash or they're able to walk into a bank and get a loan. That other 80% is the market that we're going after. Now, I'm not saying, Jerome, that they're all good and they're all A-plus buyers with 10 or 20% down for a down payment. However, in there, there's a large percentage of the buyers who, or of buyers who have a great income and they have money saved for the down payment. They just, for one reason or the other, can't get a loan today. And a lot of those buyers tend to be self-employed people. So a lot of the, a lot of the buyers that we work with are self-employed people. Um, self-employed doesn't mean that, um, you're just, you're just starting a business and you, you don't, you don't have any proof of income at all. And you're like, yeah, I, th I think this will work. Um, <laughs> but there are people out there with, uh, one or two years of starting their own business and they've been in the field for 15 or 20 years. Um, they just can't for whatever reason, get a loan today. So we're able to get them into the home, have them lock in their price. That's another important thing. Uh, so as the, mar as the market continues to appreciate, they're locking in their price. So a lot of our buyers that have closed, our rental home buyers that have closed over the past several years, 
have closed on their house and walked into sixty to eighty thousand dollars in free equity just because they walked in their price and started the rental home process with us. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And um, so I know and I understand, but I'm like asking for the audience it's like why. At, um, I think you know Ronald Grant. He's like, it doesn't matter why. So yeah, many reasons why. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter. Just get it done and get it accomplished. But I know that some people they still need that itch scratch. With that, uh, why it can be, it could be a thousand reasons why. It doesn't matter. People do it right. So I want to ask you, um, like, s- since we want to understand why the reasons and stuff like that, I want to try to take. I'm going to try to get to the closing table, right? You know what real estate is. So I want to try to get us wrapped up and. The way I want to do that is I want to ask you, like, how can we uh, how can we learn more information? You have a book out. You have a book. I know your dad has purchased a book. I want to talk a little bit about those books and then I want to, you know, get us a little wrapped up. So tell us about the book. Uh, what what you know, I want, I want you to talk about your father's book, but I also want you to talk about the books that you are in, interested in and then go from there. Sure. Yeah. So first, I think I think this will this will flow nicely. Um, I I actually have a for your listeners. I have a um, a free link or a uh, a way that they can get the free book, and that's to go to wickedsmartbooks.com/slash/jerome. And um, I didn't even have to look at my notes, Jerome. Thank you. That was impressive. It populated right in the screen. So. Wickedsmartbooks.com slash forward slash Jerome, and we'll get you out a free copy of our new rules of real estate investing. Uh, 24 leading ap- experts share and go into their strategies and businesses and everything in it. And the reason that we do that is um, everyone, we're biased. Uh, we think our strategy is the best strategy. However, um, I know it's not the reality. Uh, everyone feels that something is best for them. So they'll be able to learn from all those 24 leading experts on that book. And we'll get the free copy out to them hundred percent free. They don't have to worry about shipping or anything like that. Um, something that we didn't touch on and, and I, my dad probably breezed over, um, as well, but so out of these creative deals that we're doing and getting them under contract with a seller and then going out to the rental market, we're able to generate three paydays um, and we've trademarked it. It's a trademarked uh, three payday system. We're making money off of their initial down payment and that can be upfront and the majority of our buyers add to it over time. Uh, over the course of their agreement with lump sum payments and the lender likes to see lump sum payments because they're able to give them 100% credit for that. Then we're making a little bit uh, monthly. So that's what we call payday two. The down payments payday one monthly is a spread between what we have to pay out for to the seller or the mortgage and then what we're able to collect from our buyer. And then payday three, uh, when the buyer gets to the finish line, is often the times that we're making the most amount of money um and that's that's really the with where the markup and the price comes because we're buying at a certain price but then because the house doesn't have to appraise um right now it has to appraise in two to three years when they're getting their own loan we're able to do a slight premium on the price to the rent to own buyer however um it's not exorbitant. As I said, there is still buyers that walk away with 60 to 80,000 once they close on the home. Um, and the way that they learn about that. So what I, what I had to say today was if it piques any one of your listeners interest, uh, they can go to, um, wickedsmartinc.com forward slash master's class. And that's where they're able to learn about the trademark three payday system um and also how we a little bit more how we buy and sell on terms and if by the end of the master's class it is a good fit for them because as i mentioned it i we're biased but i know we're not a fit for everyone if it is a fit for everyone um or not i just contradicted myself if it is a fit for anyone um they're able to take the next step once once i get to the end of that thank you for sharing that um, I got a couple questions that I wanted to ask you. The first question, like you talk about your story of persistence. And one of the things that really stood out to me 
when you were speaking was you, you're like, I went out there and I just I, 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 I took action like that was so important. And I've heard you. You've come and you've, you've come with your father. You come to Philadelphia and you talked about this concept. Ready, fire, aim. Uh, can you talk about the importance of that and how that translates to what I was talking about earlier? You just went out and you just did it. Then later you came back and you're like, you know what? I got to adjust and make these nuances. But at least I took some action. Oh, uh, yeah, I think that's how um, that's how and there, that's how I live my life, really. I don't know. I, I just when I see something that I want to do and I'm interested in, um, I don't think getting ready is important and preparation is important to a certain point. But there's a certain there's a certain point in your preparation, Jerome, and you can probably attest to this where preparing anymore is not going to make the difference. You, right. you got to go out and start. And once you're starting, you can always get better. So once you take it and I liken this to what I teach uh, with my company common goal and the speaking that I do is that once you take your first step, it allows the next step to become possible. The most important step is your first step though, because all the preparation in the world without that first step, you're you're stuck at zero so you just got to get out there and and take that first step and that that helps the next step become available and really makes possible the, the uh results and the rest of your life thank you so there this now i want to get to the closing table these are like quick questions we answer these questions and it should help the audience uh, one we kind of touched on but i'm going to exit anyway uh and i want to hear like if if there are your books let them be your book, your father's book. So the question is like, what are three books that you recommend to the audience and why? And you're more than welcome to talk about your books, your father's books, or somebody that you find important. We talked about Cashflow Quadrant. We talked about your new book. So tell us about those three books that you find that are important to the audience and why. Oh, I love this question. I love this question because my my journey um, and what I've taken and um, like all throughout my life, I've I've had I've had an interesting journey. The the snowboard accident isn't the only, uh, we don't, we don't, we're coming up to it here. I get it, but, um, we don't have time to go into more stories, but all throughout my life, I've, I've, uh, you, I've, uh, which one call it. I've always been an avid student and I've been a reader. Uh, there was one book that really got me started on the, I do a lot of energy work. Um, and I, it's very important to me um, energy work and taking care of your energy. Uh, and then part of that is my morning routine and everything like that. But after, after, after I get up and meditating and doing Qigong, um, and having breakfast, I usually read and write in the morning for like 30 to 60 minutes before I, before I start my day. So I get a, I get a lot of time to read. Um, the book that I read, and I think it was back in 2014 was frequency by Penny Pierce. Um, and I cannot say enough good things about that book because it really got me thinking and really got me vibrating at a, pardon the pun here, um, at a higher frequency. Um, and it got me just, just open and aware to what's possible, um, in my life. And then with my, with, um, with my healing and my journey and, and we all, every one of us has a journey. So I'd say frequency by Penny Pierce. Um, my favorite non, uh, motivational, like personal development book is Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. Uh, that's that book's been along for a while. And that's, that's, um, the name, uh, Robert Persig is the author. I was going to say it's escaping me, but it's not. Uh, Robert Persig, that one, that one is, that book's amazing. I think I've read it cover to cover 10 times. I wish I could go back in time and not, not have read it at all. That's, that's how good it was. Um, it, it's not a, um, everyone is probably not going to agree with me, but that's, that, that's amazing. That's, that's one of my favorites. And then the third one I would say is zero limits by uh, Dr. Hugh Len and Dr. Joe Vitale. Uh, in it, he details uh, Ho'oponopono, the ancient Hawaiian art of uh, problem solving. And I'm not even gonna go into detail on that because it's really deep. 
However, um, if anyone's interested in that book, um, Zero Limits, I would check it out because once you read that, if it is of interest to you, it will lead you to your next book and your next book and you'll, you'll be, um, totally engrossed. Like I am and was, I continue to do Ho'oponopono every day. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So the next question I have for you, this is like, these are like my bonus questions that I ask selfishly, uh, but also for the audience, just in case they want to bring value to. So the question, like I was doing like a Rhea, you know how those work and the speaker was talking, we were doing it like Zoom and I asked the speaker, I said, how can somebody help you in your business? And he said, nobody ever asked me that question all the years I've been speaking. So I'm like, you know, wow. Cause I always ask people that. I'm like, how can I add value to you? Especially like leaders and people like you, entrepreneurs that are out there changing lives. We typically don't stop to think about how somebody, how someone can help us. So I pose to you, how can someone bring immediate value to you or your business? That's amazing, Jerome. I was going to ask you the same thing once we were done recording. I, I, um, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I would say, um, if anyone's, yeah, if anyone's interested in what I had to say, what I share with the, uh, the webinar and the wicked forward slash masters class. Yes. Um, however, if anyone is interested in my story, um, more, uh, than the real estate aspect of it, they can check out, um, our website at common goal which is nickprefontaine.com and they're there and we touched on it a little bit, but the, um, the system that I use to unknowingly recover from my snowboarding accident, I've used it throughout my whole life to overcome and achieve, uh, or any obstacle is a step system. Now step is an acronym. Uh, and it's really, we didn't even plan this wrong, but several of the things you said today, um, fits within the step system, um, steps and acronyms support. You have to make sure that you have a support of your family and friends. Uh, this helps so much because without it, uh, you're left kind of wondering who, what people's motivations are and everything like that. Uh, the T is trust. You have to trust that your next step will be made available to you. Once you take your first step, this also starts with trusting yourself trust that you have this desire or calling inside of you for a reason. E is energy, energy. You have to make sure that you have your energy, uh, because without it, you're not able to support and help influence and lead other people. And finally, P is persistence. So as I mentioned, once you've taken your first step, keep getting up every day and taking your next step, no matter how small by continuing to move forward every day, you're building an unstoppable momentum. So if that, if that interests anyone, I do have a free ebook called step, uh, that they can download off my website, which is nickprefontaine.com forward slash step. Um, and there they're going to get access to the whole step system. Okay. Thank you. The, the next question is very similar and I appreciate you for thinking about me in that question. Uh, the next question, very similar is, um, how can someone add long-term value to you or your business? Long-term value. I would say, um, I, this is, this is going to be the same thing. I would say, okay. go, I would say go and sign up for the free ebook because once they do, uh, they, they're actually going to, I'm going to stay in touch with them and communicate with them and, um, I like to, I like to say, uh, nurture, uh, nurture emails, but the, there's several things that I stay in touch and, and help them, um, with whatever it is they're going through. Um, and also that gets added to a, a monthly newsletter where I'm continuing to stay in touch with people. So Thank it's you. not, it's not something that's like a one hit wonder. You go and download that and then you never hear from me again. Perfect. The. So I got this question from, I don't, I'm not sure if you know, like we're in the real estate space, but Dewan, uh, Dewan, she has a wonderful podcast and she talks about, she's like, I like to leave my guests. I like to have them think of one word. A lot of people say closing statement, but she was like one word, leave us with one word. So I'm going to pose to you like, what's one word. If you could say, like, just give us one word. 
no explanation. It's got to be just one word. Just one? Yep. Only one. Step. Step. I like it. So, uh, and you already, and, and the interesting thing is I take her, right? Because it's like, get them to focus on the one thing. Like, what, what summarizes the feeling or the mood or the podcast? I think step is very appropriate. But I expand and I say, now tell us why. Because... Sure. I, I love that you give me that opportunity. I would say um, that whatever it is that they're that they're looking to accomplish, whether it's uh, they're looking to overcome a, an injury, a life challenge, a crisis. Uh, alternatively, if they're looking to start a new business or add another income stream to their business, nothing's going to happen unless you take that first step. And the reason why I chose step is once you take that step, the next step is always going to be available for you once you take that step and you have to trust that. That's why that, that word is so important to me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So final thing is how can we find out more about you online? Uh, let me see. So I already shared how they can get, how they can get, uh, the free ebook and I already shared if anything, Tell us again. Let's recap it. Yeah, let, let yeah, us any, if anything piques their interest, but, um, the thing, how can they learn more about me? Uh, yes. I would say go, you can just go to my, go to my website, common goals website, which is nickprefontaine.com. And then if you probe around on there and scroll down, um, there's actually several videos of me giving, giving talks, uh, giving speeches. So there's a few on there that you'll see, and I'm constantly adding to those and expanding. Uh, there's a keynote, there's a speak talk, uh, that I gave in long Island. There's a, the speaker salon. Uh, so there's a bunch of things on there. And if they go there and they watch it, um, they'll, they'll be able to, they'll be able to keep in touch with me. I would say. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm, I want to wrap us up. I want to end the video. And can you stay on about three minutes? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Thank you, Nick. We are signing off.